You're listening to I Hate the Fins. This is our 30th show with the Finsider Radio Podcast Network. I can never remember how that goes. I think I got it, though. My name is Keith. I'm joined by Zach, my co-host, as always. And these shows are a lot more interesting because we have actual Dolphins football to talk about. We can make fun of. We can analyze. Uh, we can shame. We can do whatever we want on this show. And we usually do. Uh, the important thing, though, is so the Dolphins played last Friday uh, against the Buccaneers. Preseason game number two. And it's quickly, I hate to say it, turning into an almost, in terms of fanfare, the Ryan Tannehill situ- uh, situation, conundrum uh, for Josh Rosen. And that if you like Josh Rosen and you're excited about having him on the team, it seems like the returns on his play Friday night uh quite favorable quite uh effusive for some people in terms of their praise i was impressed by just really what a lot of people thought regardless of what i thought about how he played last friday and then if you don't like josh rosen or if you're a skeptic you thought it was a wasted pick and you thought we could do better with that uh that second round choice last year seems like you're you're not as impressed and if you just go through your typical feed on uh, Dolphins Twitter last Friday and Saturday, that seemed to be the case. Definitely a, a big gap between those two. Zach, how did you or how would you rate uh, how Josh Rosen did last last Friday? Uh, getting the starting nod, by the way, in game number two. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't really know if they had a choice to not start him in game two there. You got to kind of see both guys with the ones. Um, I thought he was fine. Um, I don't think he did anything to push him ahead. I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick did anything to put him ahead either. Um, So at the end of the day, I think Rosen had some good throws. Again, he's moving a lot better in the pocket and out of the pocket than I remember uh, him at UCLA doing. Um, So that's good. Uh, I just don't think there was anything definitive that'll split them apart at this point. I saw somebody suggest that Ryan Fitzpatrick is obviously the guy because he truck sticked or did a truck stick on that poor Tampa defender. Yeah, I so, mean, if yeah. if we're going for meme purposes this year, like Fitzmagic's been the guy all along. Oh yeah, he wins. He absolutely wins Dolphins Twitter. I I, I was fine with it. We we chatted you and I. Um, I said you and me on um. Friday morning talking about what we were looking for and really you're just you're just hoping to see progress and development with Josh Rosen but he should be as you mentioned it's a no-brainer for him to start this game because you want to see what he has you want him to continue to develop you want to put him in situations where he can develop and that means starting him in game two against Tampa it's already been put out there that Fitz Fitz magic I hate calling him that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the is the starter for really what is the dress rehearsal game, game three of the preseason. So really, you're, you're just hoping to, to see more and more from Josh Rosen. I, I agree with the whole mobility thing. I'm impressed by the fact that he doesn't really panic in the pocket whatsoever. I mean, like he looks controlled in there. He keeps his eyes downfield. I, I mean, he's made some throws where it's like, oh, man, please don't do that when the regular season comes around. But, I mean, I get it. Right now, he's feeling as though it's a little bit and whatnot. Uh, the maybe the most important story that few people are talking about 
uh, following that game on Friday night, Michael Dieter, I think graded out as the, well, I mean, it's not saying much, graded out as the highest rated offensive lineman in that game, but had an elite grade and is a guy where you're desperately hoping that he locks up that left guard position, especially as a rookie. I mean, with Wisconsin linemen, I mean, they're known for their flexibility and their ability to come in, uh, take on a position, win it. Um, What did you think? Um, I tweeted out Brian Baldinger, uh, tweeted out, uh, I don't know, like a two and a half, three minute video clip of Josh Rosen kind of analyzing or breaking down his game. But what caught my eye in there, there was a rep that Dieter had a phenomenal rep. Um, the Bucks were running like a double twist, uh, a gap stunt kind of look where the guy that was in the a gap eventually just bails out. Um, and he actually loops all the way outside and comes around. Um, but on that play, it's kind of funny. You watch Dieter and you watch Calhoun and they're both at very different points of being able to process those kind of things. Dieter takes the guy who's going from defensive tackle and is going out. So the other guy can twist in hands him off right away and picks up um i think it was like noah spence and just anchors and it's over that the rep was perfect it's exactly what you want to do against that kind of defensive setup um where calhoun goes with the uh, defensive tackle the whole time and just just gums up the whole middle where um kilgore has to slide back over and catch the defensive end coming inside um but but Dieter had i don't want to say a great game um, I think the PFF stuff is a little iffy at times. Um, oh, how but, dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry. The PFF numbers don't don't always catch it, but I think he had a very good <laughs> game. Um, I think he only gave up, like they said, you know, uh, a one or two real legit pressures. Um, and he's he's a Wisconsin lineman, so he plays well in the run game. Um, so at the end of the day, if he can just be good with Tunsil next to him and Kilgore just being a solid veteran, I think the left side of the line will be okay. I think the right side of the line is going to be a dumpster fire no matter what happens. Yeah. I think with uh, considering where the left guard position is in Miami and where certainly where it has been in, I, I want to say recent years, but really it, it goes, it goes further than that. Uh, you have to love what he's doing though. Right. Cause I mean, the guy comes in, third round pick and really is is still obviously getting his legs still developing but i mean especially on that um on that stunt i mean that's that's savvy veteran play right there i mean and he and he looked fluid and natural doing it like i mean he's done it a million times yeah i mean he's he's coming in and he's doing what he needs to do and at the end of the day for a rookie that's really all you can ask for those guys there's so much to take in a process you know, here, just learn the playbook, but then you're playing at a whole different speed. You're learning what it's like to be a professional, not only as a professional football player, but a professional outside of college, just going to work in the first place. You know, most of those guys, especially, you know, varsity athletes at a division one level, when was the last time they had to work just a job? So learning to do those kind of things on a day-to-day basis as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely at a really good point for what you want to see out of a rookie. Well, the NCAA during March Madness showed me the the day in the life of a of a student athlete, so oh, I know exactly what God. they're doing. 
So I know exactly 24 hours a day. I know what they're up to. Yeah. So because the NCAA never lies. <clears throat> and now they're probably sending like a, a death squad to my house, like in Scarface, <clears throat> to, to take out the naysayer. Well, if we so, don't make it in 20 minutes, I'll, I'll know why. You'll know why. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be something we finally hit our goal because of that? <laughs> so what did you want to, you brought up a couple of things you wanted to talk about during the show, and I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I mean, I think there were a couple other interesting points. Um, I know people got a little down on Preston Williams after um, not having such a great night. But again, dude's a rookie. Um, That's kind of how it's going to go. Receivers-wise, I thought um, Isaiah Ford just always looks solid. Um, We had the conversation about him of why he's not going to be sexy enough to be a – I mean, he may not even be a top-five receiver um for the dolphins this year but he has some good ability um and they should try to work him in at some point um a guy that's really impressed me in the preseason is durham Smythe. uh his blocking's been phenomenal and then he had a really nice catch uh when rosen had to roll out friday night and hit him and he slid and he got his hands under it and scooped it right in otherwise it was going to be an incompletion but said it was a like a 22 yard completion which was pretty good a pleasant surprise too when you see Durham Smythe starting to put it together, especially because you think about it, he was he was supposed to be the um, fill in the gap type player after they drafted Gasicki. Yeah the uh, the other thing offensively is Miles Gaskin needs to be the, at least a Dolphins three as of like a week ago. Mark Walton was horrific. Like I have more vision at the line of scrimmage than he did. There were points where it was just like, dude, you are, do you even know who's on what team? Do you even know where you are at this point? He was really bad the other night. Omar Kelly claims that Minka Fitzpatrick hasn't been very good lately. What do you uh, think? Because, I mean, we haven't, I don't think we've had a show since that whole, uh, I guess you'd say, mini debacle unfolded, mainly on Twitter, it seemed. I saw that popped up. I saw what his mom's Twitter handle was. I found her. I quoted that tweet and told her, don't worry, Omar's an idiot. Your son's going to be great. You're a very wonderful woman. Let's all just keep, do what we need to do. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's it's not a big deal. Like, Minka is going to play and learn, and the defensive staff, Patrick Graham and stuff, are going to learn what to do with him. It's training camp. Play him wherever. Find out what works, what doesn't work. That's like literally the point of training camp and preseason games. It's like playing with house money. I always want to call Patrick Graham Patrick Ramsey. Uh, Close. Almost the same person. Almost, but not quite. Uh, And there was one other thing, too. You brought up like two really good ideas, and I was like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about those. And then I was out all day, and my brain melted. Um. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head either. Um, but we can talk about a couple other defensive guys. I mean, sure, let's do it. It was nice seeing Charles Harris show up that like he can actually rush the passer like and, beastly. And because the way they're doing it, where he's in a two point stance and he has more vision, and they're just telling him on certain downs just to go get him, is exactly what they should have been doing since they drafted him. Um, just they now have a defensive staff and a defensive coach that understands that. So. I mean, I would not be shocked to see Charles Harris go from like bust to, you know, six to eight sacks, no problem this year. Um, oh, man. His get you know, off I, at the line yeah. of scrimmage the other night was just stupid. 
And that's why they drafted him. That's what they liked about him. But you just can't use him as an edge defender all that often. And if you are, it's got to be from like a 3-4 look. That's just how it has to be with him. Which fits what they're trying to do right now anyway. that They have no problem finding that look for him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, because they, they're even running some 5-2 kind of stuff on running downs and stuff. Um, at one point, they ran they ran some 3-3-5 kind of stuff. Um, they're running a whole bunch of different stuff. Again, this is going to be the most multiple defensive scheme you've seen out of the Dolphins in years. Um, who else had a nice game? Um, the guy from the CFL that I can never pronounce his name, um, Sam uh, Uguavin. Yes. Um, people are like, ooh, is he going to be a starter? He's not going to be a starter. When, As long as Raekwon gets healthy, um, you're still going to primarily see Raekwon and Jerome Baker, with Jerome Baker being the most flexible piece out of that. Um, if anything, you'll start seeing, uh, again, his last name is Uguavin, um, I think rotating in for Kiko. And I think Kiko gets phased out going into 2020. Oh, no doubt. Especially because, yeah. I mean, this, this defense is, I mean, is is young and I think is going to start, I, we talk about this all the time, they're going to start wanting to get younger and cheaper. Yep. And, I mean, Kiko, and I, I'm looking at, directly at Rashad Jones there yep. in, in, terms of che- in terms of cheaper. So. Yeah, I mean, um, Christian Wilkins had a really good game again, got his first sack playing Again, from that three three five, um, and he played as like a, a five tech. Maybe it was a, a four eye kind of look um, inside of the the right tackle there. Um, and so you know he just used strength and played it smart because he was in a contained look. And at the end of the day, the guy uh, was a Blaine Gabbert. He just ran straight into him. So mm-hmm. you'll take it whatever you can get it. I mean, there's there's still a lot of holes on defense, and I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a pro- really something that's in progress. It's gonna be ugly at times, but there are some really fun players on that on the defensive side of the football, and some guys with some huge upside. And we talked about that last week with the whole Jerome is Jerome Baker the franchise in terms of upside, and not Minka Fitzpatrick, which I I, I believe he is. I think Jerome Baker is. You saw people mentioning this week something we've known for a while. He's a three-down linebacker, mm-hmm. and I and I mean they got that guy in the third round. You're not supposed to be able to find those dudes in the third round, and I mean his his um sort of stature was so unconventional when they drafted him because he comes in, he weighed what I sometimes weigh. I mean he was what in the like the two ten range, two yeah. two ten two fifteen right around yep. there. And I think where where is he now? About two twenty five, two thirty. If that, I, I mean, yeah, I was going to say that's a high estimate too. Yeah, I mean, if he if he runs around and you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he runs around at two twenty two, lower two twenties at some point too. Doesn't I mean? Doesn't matter to me. I mean, the guy is is an absolute weapon on the defensive side of the football. And I'm glad we have him. And it's so funny that we talk about phasing out guys like Kiko now. Uh, all of a sudden we're not hanging off every word or hanging on everywhere when it comes to Raekwon McMillan. I mean, it would be great to see him continue to develop and I think he will. But at one point we were hoping that that guy was going to, was going to take over the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think 
I think he still will on versus teams that do like to run the ball a good chunk. Like I think you are going to see a ton of him versus Baltimore. Um, I think Jerome Baker, they're going to kind of run like uh, a a two guy option kind of scheme versus there where at that point you're going to have Jerome Baker on whoever the running back is, if they're going to do pitch stuff. Um, and, And it all depends. I haven't seen a lot of Baltimore's, offense since last year they ran a lot of inside zone kind of uh rpo stuff so in that case you'd have mcmillan kind of spying the running back keeping an eye on him coming down the middle and then baker keeping an eye on lamar jackson going outside um but i think you're gonna see a lot of those two versus baltimore out the gate it's an interesting point too because baltimore last year their game their offensive game plan was essentially to to simplify the game for lamar jackson and really put him put him in the fast lane in terms of being able to get rid of the football or tuck and run. So it's going to be interesting to see how that's developed. Uh, you have to love the idea of Jer- Jerome Baker um, as a counter against the the kind of team speed that Baltimore boasts with guys like Lamar Jackson. So I'm curious to see that. I'm excited to see that. The Outside of the second corner position, I th- I'm really excited to see what, how the secondary continues to come together, especially with Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, you know what you're getting with X at this point. I mean, it, it's weird when, when he... We're at a point now with X where it's weird when he plays poorly or if he gets beat. What do you think about them using Bobby as that single high safety? Like, Do you feel like they're kind of... I don't want to say wasting his ability and skill set, but like, do you think that's the right spot for him? How do you feel about that? Ultimately, I think, I guess you'd call it a good problem to have because they, but having Minka Fitzpatrick in there really kind of spoils the cart for, for McCain. Cause in my opinion, McCain is a very much a natural nickel. Mm-hmm. So like I said, great problem to have, but I mean, that guy, for most teams is a no doubt um I, I guess you'd say um pop at the at the nickel spot. Whereas with Miami, they're like, well, we're gonna go ahead and try different things right now. We I mean Minka right now is in my I mean I mean it's hard to really even articulate this because I mean he's so good as an a nickel prospect, but he's also a guy you expect to end up at safety. So it's just bad timing. Yep. In my opinion. Yeah. I think you're a hundred percent on with, with Minka there. And the thing is, is Minka gives you all the same things that Bobby gives you in the nickel and more where if you want, you can change Minka from being a nickel to covering a tight end, to blitzing the passer, to playing linebacker, to dropping back in a, you know, hook to zone coverage, all those kind of things where, Bobby was kind of just more of a, a read and react kind of short zone uh, tackler and, and coverage guy and, and like man straight up if they, they want to. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. He's the, the right kind of scrappy guy that you want to have at nickel, but make it just gives you more. So I a hundred percent get what you're saying there. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of upside and make is a fabulous example of what the NFL wants right now in its secondary, those fill in the blank type players, you know, where it's like, whatever you need, that guy can give it. You need tackling. Minka's got it. You need speed on the back end. Minka's got it. You need uh, advanced reaction skills and a guy who reads the game at uh, a very high level. Minka Fitzpatrick. So, 
I mean, not a lot of holes in his game outside of, I guess you'd say, size. Um, I mean, the, the speed is is very good, in my opinion, because, I mean, he's a 4-4 guy, and with his ability to read and react, I mean, he plays fast. But, I mean, he's the, the kind of guy that, I mean, you think about a player with his skill set at that position, though, a guy who identified as a nickel corner for a lot of teams, that dude probably doesn't go in the first round in what outside of within the past 10 years, maybe, maybe even, even sooner. Those were guys that were highly coveted in, in the beginning of round two and whatnot, but those Swiss army knives now guy, especially on, on the back end there. And you're seeing it too, uh, when they can go ahead and, um, like Dayon Buchanan, I think of yep. in terms of being able to play linebacker as well. Or that, or that really undersized linebacker role. Um, but that's a, a highly coveted skill set. Now, Dayo and Buchanan, in a lot of ways, it might be sort of the, what, I don't want to say the pioneer, but the guy who kind of set the set the, the trend in motion of like, whoa, is this guy, this guy in the secondary? Is this dude someone who's just an undersized linebacker? What are we doing here? Yeah, either, either him or uh, Mark Barron. When Mark Barron came out, once they moved him to that kind of like coverage linebacker kind of skill set, um, but they definitely paved the way for a lot of these guys like Minka and Derwin uh, to come in and have that yeah. kind of career. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about Mark Barron is he was supposed to be a Pro Bowl safety. Yeah. You yep. know, I mean, my, uh, Draft Dad told me as much when when that when Tampa made that pick that his what what do you say his ceiling is a pro pro bowl safety his floor is a pro bowl safety yeah yeah i mean and that, in that time period it made sense too where you still had dudes that would just sure. come up and rock people um but like he just kind of caught the bad timing of the transitional period um so i think if mark Barron's drafted 6 years earlier that's probably a true statement um, mm-hmm. but just he came out at the wrong time at a transition point in the NFL where he adapted and became a pretty good linebacker um, instead of falling off the face of the earth with the uh, yeah. uh, Louis Delmas. That, that's the last guy that I remember like right on the fringe there too that would just come in and blow dudes up. Um, but after that, it was that's just not the way it goes anymore. Isn't that kind of funny with with Bama safeties though? That all the guys who like the the highly coveted, highly trumped up dudes, not all of them have panned out. And I mean, right now, you make the case that the the hottest playing Bama safety on the planet right now is Eddie Jackson for the Bears. Yeah. And I mean, outside of the fact that he had that injury and whatnot, I mean, who who really saw that coming? Because an ultra talented guy, but. You no, know, you think about a lot of these safeties. You know, Mark Barron. You mentioned uh, Hashan Clinton Dix was one who was um, uh, highly trumped up too. And I mean, his had had a good career with the Packers, and he's in, uh, and then had that weird turn with Washington. Now he's in Chicago. Yep. But but I mean, Eddie Jackson is, and, and Eddie Jackson, if not for getting hurt, in my opinion, was a top three defensive player of the year candidate last year. And I imagine he's probably going to pick up where he left off. Yeah, no, I, I think he's he's one of the top guys at this point. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, the Bama safeties, and even Bama safeties have transitioned from the type of guys that they used to go after. Um, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the last one that was even close to, uh, you know, 
five, six years ago of traditional Bama safeties was um, Ronnie Harrison that ended up in Jacksonville, who's playing pretty well down there. But even then, he still has some positional flexibility compared to the the old guard there. Yeah, because I mean, like he he essentially identifies as a strong safety. But um, at the same time, you mentioned now that it's not good enough to just bring a dude in because that's the Mark Barron thing, strong safety. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh look, he's playing linebacker now, which surprised me when I saw that at the time, I remember thinking like, Whoa, Mark Barron's playing safety. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And I, I mean, if so, you want a really interesting safety slash linebacker hybrid guy to keep an eye on this year, who's a guy that I think if he plays as well as he did last year and cleans some things up, could be a weird first round pick is Isaiah Simmons for Clemson. He's a dude that's, I think he's 6'3", 6'4", 220. Um, dude runs like a gazelle. Like There are, are reps of him playing from the, the nickel where he's in like press man and blows dudes up on the line and dudes that he doesn't blow up on the line, he runs with them. Um, crazy, crazy athlete for his size. The conversation we just had about Bama safeties, you can essentially have um, regarding... Up until recently, Clemson pass rushers too. Yep. You know, and they've it seems like their guys have finally started to really hit at the NFL level. But you remember in years past where Dolphins fans were clamoring for guys like uh Shaq Lawson and Kevin Dodd, especially after that championship game they had where I mean, let's face it, Kevin Dodd absolutely feasted on some of the worst right tackle play I think I've ever seen. And I mean but I mean, hey, I mean you gotta you take what you're you take what you're given, what you're presented with, and he absolutely just rolled in that game. And then um trying to think because I mean for a while there they were just putting out I now like Gaines Adams. Well, you know, like yep. the signature ang- angular pass rusher that those guys would put uh put out. And obviously he passed away very early on. It was a tragic situation, so we couldn't really see. I mean, he had been traded to Chicago by that point after I think he went fourth in the two thousand seven draft, if I recall correctly. He went up there uh, pretty high. Yeah. But you remember guys that used to put out like Ricky Sapp? Remember that dude? I mean, their their guys for the longest stretch were Andre Branch. They were 6'3", 260. And like yeah. they just got it done and that's how they were built. And then they you get a, a Vic Beasley dropped in there. Um, the big one, oh my God, why am I not going to be able to remember his name? Daquan Bowers. Was, was he Clemson? Yeah, he yeah. was Clemson. Um, he was he was like the the guy that was outside of their mold. He was six five, you know, two two seventy or whatever, six six two seventy, and people were like, "Oh, this is why he's so good. He's outside of their mold. They're doing different things," but they didn't really have it figured out. He was just winning with good size and athleticism. But now they've kind of figured it out with your, um, uh, Bryant's and um, oh my god, uh, the guy that got drafted fourth by. Oh, well and Farrell. Yeah, Farrell. So like now they're kind of figuring out the whole length game. Um, which is really what you need. I mean, you can have those Vic Beasley sprinkled in there, but they're not always gonna win and, and you gotta scheme them up at that point to make sense for their skill set. Where Clemson's really rocked it though is the interior. Yeah. Because their defensive tackles as of late have just been absolute world beaters. Obviously, we're we're someone who's witnessing that right now because we just drafted one of them. Yeah, and I mean like even even the dude that was the third guy in the rotation for them, Albert Huggins, like I loved him. He went undrafted, but he's a dude that I think is going to be on teams for a long time. Um, 
you know, as that third or fourth defensive tackle on a team. He's he's just a good player. Um, so good for them for pumping out those guys back and forth. All right, I think it's about time to call it. We went, nah, we went past our goal. We blew it. We always do. Anything you want to add? Yeah, we do. We just love to talk so much. We just love to talk about ourselves <laughs> so much that, and it's always right around the 20 minute point. And it's just like, I love to hear the sound of my voice. I just want to keep it going. Anything you want to put out there before we fold it up? Last thing I'll throw out to you before we, we head out for the night. Um, what okay. do you think of the, the kicking situation in Miami right now? Jason Sanders and Matt Hawk. Like, I think it may be the best it's been in a long time on both ends. Oh, there's no, there's no debate there. I mean, the thing is, Miami's punting when I was, I will say, because I remember when in 94, I want to say their punter was John Kidd. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I remember thinking like, okay, serviceable, that's cool, he can do some things. Um, I think they, didn't they have like Matt Turk for like 20 minutes? Yep, maybe? real quick, real and, quick. And then, and then that guy ended up being like a, like a perennial pro bowler. Um, after he left, but their punting situation at times has been has been better. We'll say over the past you know fifteen years, yeah. Their kick their kicking situation since Olinda Mare left has been um lukewarm at best. Like Dan Carpenter, at, uh, early on was was probably the closest they got to like a reliable kicking situation, and that obviously went away pretty quick. But I remember, because I remember like their kicker when I became a fan was Pete Stoyanovich. And I love that dude so much that I, for Christmas, I asked for a white Pete Stoyanovich jersey. That was when like you could get the authentic jerseys for a hundred bucks. And I remember my grandparents got it for me and it was on back order forever. I mean, and that was at a time, I mean, we didn't have the internet. So you'd always have to call this number and they tell you that they hadn't like got it. They hadn't started it yet. So eventually I just canceled the order. It was like three months later. And then the funny thing is um, that was after he missed the big kick against San Diego in the AFC uh, divisional game in uh, 94 season. That was in January 95. And that was the worst loss I've still ever, I've ever experienced as a Dolphins fan. I hope I never feel that way ever again. I'm sure I will. But all that is to say, uh, outside of that, Pete was awesome the Dolphins for a time there and then Alenda Mare hits the scene and people are like oh man forget Stojanovic this dude is even better and like he was just he was reliable which is what you're ultimately looking for at that position when you're settling for field goals you want to settle for three points you don't want to settle for zero so Jason Sanders I mean it's so funny because the way um, when they were going through that draft and people were complaining about them not drafting a kicker, do you remember this? Yep. Oh yeah. And 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 they didn't take the guys who were, I guess you'd say, coveted as possible draft picks. And then they t- and then they grabbed Sanders way late, and everyone looked at it as sort of like a consolation prize. Like, oh, you guys just settled. You're just doing that just to say you did. You're paying lip service to the the position. And the dude is just absolutely lights out. It's just funny how it works. That, was that was that the 2016 one with Aguayo, or was that 2017? 2017, I think. I want to say I think it was 2017. Yeah, because I got mean, it. or no, um, 2016 was I think a Roberto yeah, yeah, yeah. Aguayo. So it must have been 2017 when they were uh, when they got him undrafted. I'm just looking up really quick who are all those guys that people wanted um, that they didn't take. 
uh, Zane Gonzalez, Harrison Butler, Jake Elliott. Yeah, nobody to really. Zane Gonzalez was looked at as like one of the best kicking prospects yeah. ever com- coming out of ASU. And I mean, almost. I think Cleveland got rid of him in like 15 minutes. Yep. Um, when you were asking about 2017, I thought you were talking about Jason Sanders, but no, Roberto Aguayo, that whole mess. Again, that dude at Florida State, stupid good, just automatic. You know, and I mean, it's not his fault that Tampa gave away a ton and moved up into the second round for him. I don't know why yeah. they did that. I mean, I, I mean, I kicked. Um, and I mean, I've told that situation before, and I was actually pretty good at it. And at one point, thought about trying to make a go of it, like trying to go into college and and just you know see where things go. But ended up, I uh, started playing guitar, uh, and just quit sports. Like I was playing soccer football and baseball at the time and i was just like oh, i'm not gonna do this anymore i just quit all sports but um it's just so funny looking at that situation everyone thought that jason sanders was just such a, a um a settle you know like they settled on on someone at that position just to say that they they draft or acquired them and then look lo and behold the guy is just an absolute beast yeah, so I mean, we lucked out at the end of the day, thanks to to Darren Rizzi and his his genius. Um, wish he was still here, but it paid off, even though he's not. Yeah, that was a nice parting gift, though. Um, uh, so all right, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna shut it down. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us for show number thirty. If you've listened to all thirty shows, we appreciate that. All six of you, uh, you're doing us a real favor listen to us talk about ourselves we waste your time we appreciate you letting us waste your time and we'll continue to waste your time so for now my name is keith this is zach thanks for tuning in to i hate the fins and we'll talk to you again soon take care